Girls. Welcome to She Commands the Stage podcast, where we talk a lot about how to become a more confident and compelling speaker that can command any stage, any camera, any microphone, or any platform that you are on and you're sharing your message. You are a driven woman and you know your message and voice makes a big difference in the world and in the lives of others. And I know that you're on a mission to take that message to as many stages and audiences as possible. And my role here is to equip you with the right tools to help you grow your speaking and presentation skills and to empower you to go out and unapologetically share your voice wherever possible. In case this is the first time that we are meeting, hi, my name is Chila Muskin and I'm your host. I'm also a speaker, author, and the creator of the Speak to Scale methodology. Hey friend, welcome back to She Commands the Stage podcast. We are on part two of a series called How to Develop Mental Resilience as a Speaker. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one yet, I would highly encourage you to do that after you're done listening to this one. It's going to be very easy for you to find it. The link is just below this audio in the show notes, but I definitely would encourage you to listen to that one as well as they are connected and build one on one another. But why are we talking about mental resilience? Well, I honestly believe that it is the foundation to us showing up as great leaders, showing up for our audience with good energy to be able to give because we are already filled ourselves. We are intentional about filling our own reservoir first, right? And so I think that being intentional and purposeful in developing mental resilience, especially through tough times, is going to be crucial in order for us to be able to make the kind of impact that we want to make. And so today we are continuing talking about the habits, cultivating the certain habits that really help us become more mentally resilient. Before we jump into habit number four, let me just say this. If you've been listening for a while and you haven't checked out yet the shecommandsthestage.com page, I would encourage you to do so currently. I have some free strategy spots open and available. And if you want to hop on a free call with me, maybe you're struggling with knowing where to get started. Maybe you want to start speaking on more podcasts or you want to do some guest speaking Um, on somebody else's platform, or you want to do your own webinar, and you're just needing some help figuring out what the next step would be for you, grabbing a free strategy call with me would be the best step or the best way to go about it. And so if you go to shecommandsthestage.com, you can see there's going to be several things on that page, but you can grab a free strategy call with me very easily. So Go check that out, shecommandsthestage.com. Okay, so now let's dive right in. Habit number four in order to develop mental resilience, and that is to get plenty of rest. I'm big on sleeping. Just ask my husband if I don't get at least eight to nine hours of sleep. I'm kind of a grumpy pants. 
and do not wake me up in the middle of the night unless you want a black eye. And I'm only half kidding, seriously. (laughs) Of course, there are seasons in life when we are not able to get a full seven to eight hours of sleep. When you have a baby, right? It's hard to get seven hours straight sleeping. Perhaps maybe you work night shifts or maybe you're sick. When you're sick, we have a hard time sleeping and we wake up frequently. But those times should be periodic and not really a norm. However, according to statistics, on average, Americans get just under seven hours of sleep every night. And those are the hours people usually report that they spent in bed. So actually, it's not real sleep, right? So over the years, even though um, as you know, um, life evolved and we have machines doing so much work for us, so we should have more time, right, to sleep, the opposite is actually true. It shows, statistics shows that as the years go on, we get less and less sleep. So in my opinion, rejuvenating rest comes down to two things, quantity and quality. So how can you improve both the quality and the quantity of your sleep time? Well, here are a few suggestions. First of all, get more sunlight during the day. And and I know, again, this is something that's probably hard to do in this day and age where everything happens in front of a screen, in an enclosed office, in a virtual setting, right? But according to research, more sunlight during especially the morning hours can help improve your sleep quality. I'm going to have a link for you in the show notes so that you can check that research out. Then avoid screens before bedtime. Now, again, this is nothing new. I'm sure you've heard of it before. This one is one of the simplest and most effective ways to quickly improve both sleep quality and quantity. But what is simple to do is also simple not to do. And I'm speaking from experience because right before I go to bed, one of my favorite times is to watch my favorite show. I usually don't even get through 30 minutes of it because I'm tired. I wake up early in the morning and I'm tired and I fall asleep, but it's kind of like my comfort time, right? And so not having screen in front of my eyes is definitely something that I have to work hard at. Now, I've been doing better lately. I still fall off the horse quite often, but it's something that I'm trying intentionally to work on. Then eat better. Again, as you can see, we talked about this in the previous episode, food not only boosts physical and mental health, but improves your sleep as well. In his book, Sleep Smarter, Sean Stevenson says, the food you eat can dramatically impact the quality of sleep that you get. Remember, food isn't just food, it's information. Upwards of 95% of your body's serotonin is located in your gut. The obvious connection is that serotonin is the building block for the get good sleep, quote unquote, hormone melatonin. As you can see, what you eat plays a big part in how much rest and the the quality of the rest that you get at night. Then to sleep better, also you have to learn to hush your inner chatter. 
I'll be honest with you, this is easier said than done for me, especially in times of high levels of uncertainty and stress. Why? Because I can use the noise of the day to help me drown out my inner thoughts. But as soon as my head hits the pillow, those thoughts suddenly awake and start start to rush in. I don't know about you. Is it just me? As soon, literally, as, as soon as I lay down and I try to close my eyes, I have all of these thoughts swirling around in my head. One of the most effective tricks that have helped me to calm my, my racing mind has been prayer and a notebook. If I find myself laying in bed feeling restless, I grab the notebook that's on my nightstand and I just jot some of the ideas that I have in my head or some of the worries that I have in my head. And once I'm done with writing it down, I ask God to help me let those worries go, let it all go, and give me peace and calm for the night. For me, this works 90% of the time. If you'd like to check out some more ideas to help you calm your inner thoughts at night, I have a very helpful article that I'm going to link in the show notes again. So that was num- uh, habit number four, plenty of rest in order to develop mental resilience. Habit number five, have more fun. Okay, I have to admit this one is really tough for me. I have to be extremely intentional about having fun throughout the day. I know it sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? But being a three on the Enneagram, I'm an achiever. I thrive on to-do lists, on plans, agendas, scratching things off my to-do list, being super focused, effective, and being productive throughout the day. Who has time for fun, right? That's not productive at all. Well, here's the bad news though. Lack of play makes us burn out a lot faster. It makes us more ineffective, less creative, and more likely to crumble under pressure. Ironic, isn't it? Right? In my own pursuit to be more efficient, I cut out fun. And guess what? I become less focused and productive. If you keep pushing fun to the back burner, as I did, you will miss out on the rejuvenating energy that play, fun, and laughter provide. What's fun? It's an activity with no plan. Something you do because it makes you happy. It makes you feel connected with others. It helps you express creativity and to release stress. It might be an art class, perhaps online, you know, if, if you, you don't want to drive to an in-person class or going on a hike, an impromptu party alone, either with your kids or alone in your kitchen. I do that sometimes. <laughs> Taking pictures, a hot bath or watching a comedy or funny videos that make you laugh. Our family um, we don't do, do this every night, but at least once or twice a week, we will watch America's Funniest Videos on TV with our family, with our kids, and we laugh out loud. I read a research somewhere that the, la- the family that laughs together stays together more often. <laughs> so play, fun, and laughter rejuvenate us 
not only physically, but it has a positive impact on our mental health as well. So if you want to feel more energized and mentally resilient during tough times, especially you need regular and intentional times for fun, for laughter, to disconnect or to connect with other human beings. And that might mean having to plan this into your schedule like I do. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I have to schedule fun in. And when when I do that, it really helps me feel more grounded. So that was habit number five, have more fun. And then final habit, habit number six, and this is a big one, monitor and limit your content consumption. Again, a phrase I probably never thought I would say at least 10 years ago, right? And for someone who is big on reading, reading books, listening to podcasts, continuing my education, constantly being intentional about growing my professional skills as a speaker and as a leader, this is something I honestly never thought I would say monitor and limit my content consumption. You know, I it used to be that I would read two, sometimes three books a week, and I was just consuming information. I was so hungry. And then I realized something. Too much of a good thing can be too much of a good thing. Even if you are consuming great information, having too much of it can have negative side effects. Here are three ways that consuming too much of someone else's content can really impact your mental resilience, focus, and how you feel throughout the day. First of all, when you are consuming too much information or too much content, it really makes you feel overwhelmed. It's almost like um, spiritual and um, mental clutter right? It's, it's kind of like physical clutter. When you, you have too much stuff all over in your home. Um, I remember, um, having a friend who said that her mom was a hoarder and anytime she would enter her mom's house, she would get physically anxious because of all the clutter, right? Have you ever felt that, that if your office is cluttered, and you feel anxious and you suddenly decide, you know what, I'm going to clear my office. I'm going to put everything back in its place and I'm going to clean it up. How you breathe better afterwards, because physical clutter creates anxiety in us. Well, it's the same thing with virtual clutter or content clutter, right? It can, it can clutter our minds, literally. And so if we consume too much of it without any boundaries around it, it can make us feel overwhelmed and anxious. So that's the first thing. The second thing is when we constantly consume someone else's ideas, thoughts, their contents, the stuff that they create, it can make make us really question our own ideas and thoughts and inner voice. And this happened to me a couple of years ago. I remember that I felt so overwhelmed being on social media every single day that I literally lost myself in the process. 
I lost the ability to be able to think for myself, to be able to actually um, believe my own thoughts or rely on my gut feeling, which was very much a part of my life, still is very much part of my life. But in the process of constantly listening to the quote unquote gurus out there about this industry, about what I should be doing in business here or how I should be um, productive and how I should set up my schedule in the process, I completely lost the ability to ask myself the question of, does this work for me? Is this good for me? And not only that, but when I did ask myself that question to then take my myself seriously and say, yes, you know what? My voice matters too. My voice matters in knowing how my business should look like, how my day should look like. So that's the second negative side effect of, con- of consuming too much content is losing the ability to actually believe ourselves or give ourselves the space to think for ourselves and make decisions for ourselves. And then the final, and this is probably the biggest culprit in, con- uh, in consuming too much content is comparison. There's a quote that goes something like this. Comparison is not only the thief of joy, it's the thief of everything. And I truly believe that. So when it comes to social media, we all know, we all do it. It's a very curated platform. It's a very curated space. And most of us want to show up in the best light possible, right? What ends up happening though, everybody only really has a highlight reel of their life. And when we are looking at somebody else's life without knowing all the bits and pieces that go into their day. We only see when they're best dressed, when they're on their vacation, when they're having fun, when they've achieved some sort of a win in their life or business. What it does, it creates a false picture of someone else's life and it makes us feel less than. And here's an interesting phenomenon that research shows. You know, in real life, usually... Either way, in real life or social media life, we compare ourselves to people who are better, doing better than us, and we compare ourselves to people who are doing worse than us, right? We do this both in a physical setting and a virtual setting. But the interesting thing is that when we're doing this in a physical setting, meaning out in the real world, we only feel bad about ourselves when we're comparing ourselves to someone who is doing better than we are. When we are comparing ourselves to someone who is doing worse than us, then we feel a little bit better about ourselves. Not so with social media. It's interesting that when we are comparing ourselves to people who are doing better or worse than us, we still end up feeling worse about ourselves. So either way we look at it, social media has a a, a tremendous impact on how we feel about ourselves throughout the day. Now, if you start your day off, as soon as you open your eyes and you grab the phone and you either check your email or you check the social media, check the Instagram app or Facebook app or TikTok or whatever, and even just for a second, 
you scroll through something that triggers this feeling of, of you feeling less about yourself, even for a second, it's going to set the tone for your day, or at least for the next couple of hours. So as you can see, having boundaries, limitations around your content consumption and, and having really monitoring and being intentional about what you're consuming and even curating what's going in your feed is extremely important because it really impacts your mental health. So this habit, habit number six, is absolutely crucial for you to be very intentional about in order to build mental resilience as a leader, as a speaker, who then takes their own ideas to an audience. So I hope that you found these habits helpful. These are definitely things that I am still working on, but these are things that I'm very intentional about in order to have a more thriving mental life, right? Mental health in my life. So let's recap real quick all the habits that I talked about in this series, how to develop mental resilience as a speaker. Habit number one is to work on your mindset continuously. And in that mindset, I talked about the habits uh, that I cultivate on a daily basis, which is praying and meditation, journaling, reading, again, being intentional and having boundaries even around that, uh, how much I read. Habit number two is to exercise, to exercise every day, even if it's just going for a walk for 20 or 30 minutes. Habit number three is to eat life-giving foods, foods that work for your body. Um, and that's going to come with some trial and error and doing your re research and educating yourself on that. Habit number four is to get plenty of rest. Habit number five is to um, have more fun and laugh more with people that you love. Do something that you don't have a plan around, something that relaxes you. And then habit number six, one of the biggest ones, monitor and limit your content consumption. If you found this helpful, come and see me on Instagram. I know I'm sending you to social media, right? <laughs> but only come and say hi to me in the DM for a second. You can find me. My handle is Chila Muskan, C-S-I-L-L-A-M-U-S-C-A-N. I love having private conversations in the DM. So come say hi to me and let me know what you found helpful from this episode. Friend, I want to thank you so much for spending your last few minutes with me. I know that these days our energy and our time is our most precious asset that we have. And the fact that you chose to spend it here with me today means so much. I want you to know I never take it for granted. And I hope that you walk away feeling it was more than worth your time. As always, I want to encourage you to keep showing up for yourself, keep showing up for your audience, because your voice and message are needed in this world. That unique thing that only you can offer, the world really needs that. So it's time for you to show up and shine.